things like that, too. Never know where to stand. But, um, so keep that maybe on your calendars as you're going through Christmas break. And um, that's a thing where um, the cost for that is actually subsidized because we have alumni that love to make this happen. But if cost is a problem, if you're already like, man, I don't know <clears throat> if that's going to work. Um, we do have like alumni who love to give like a scholarship for these kind of things. So don't let that be a problem as we look forward to that. Um, how's everybody? Blank stares, <laughs> slight nods, people looking away from me. Okay. Um, two weeks, right? There's some joy there, right? Um, it's the, the path to that. But um, we are, we're praying for you all. Um, this space is like open. If you need like a, just a quiet place to come through the next couple weeks, this really is all the time. It's always available. But I just want to say it specifically. We kind of like set this room to be more of a, a space to like come in and study or if you need to take a nap on a couch or drink some hot chocolate in a quiet place like come please come do that um, we're we're here during the week so um, again I'm, I'm glad to see you all uh, and it's weird we've already had the week but I was thinking as I was prepping this I'm just like really glad to be back together after uh, Thanksgiving break and we, we missed you all um, anybody have any like traditions leading up to Christmas like big ones that you kind of like do every year What are they? <laughs> Crowd participation today. Decorate on, on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, cool. Anybody else do that? A lot of people, that, that, yeah, that's a cool family thing. We wait until December 1st at our house. <laughs> Any other traditions? Maybe unique to your family? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fun. That's really cool. Awesome. When, when I was growing up, um, a tradition that I, I had, just like as a kind of in my family that was kind of like sent to me, my, my aunt would send a, an advent calendar to me and my sisters every year. Does anyone do like the advent calendar thing where you like flip that open? If you don't know what that is, it's, it's like... The ones we had typically, it's like just basically cardboard and paper, but there's little doors on it that every day, it's like, oh, we're going to open this up. What's crazy is my aunt still does that for like our kids, which, so we got one a few, I don't know, about a week ago, I guess, and, and started, yeah. Yeah, she's like clockwork. Like her, her tradition is like send everybody the, the advent calendar. Um, and, you know, so we do that and, uh, you know, since... A kind of another piece to that thing is like since our kids have been old enough to kind of be aware of things, um, Aaron's like done a really awesome job of like kind of setting a, a family calendar through December up to Christmas of like, hey, here's like a thing we're going to do. It may be as simple as go to the CSF Christmas party, you know, it's already kind of scheduled for us, or it may be like watching a specific Christmas movie or, um, making snowflakes out of paper and putting them on our door or, you know, the, just something we like kind of gather together and do and just like activities and reading and all those kind of things. Um, it's a fun thing, but it's also like a way of, it's not just like about the moment, but it's a, a fun way of like looking forward to 
what's to come. Like we're, we're kind of anticipating as we do those things, looking forward to Christmas, right? Um, as a ministry, um, it's kind of a plug, I guess, too. If you didn't get one of those Advent books, we have those out there, and Aaron's got one back there, but um, we started doing that as a family um, on the first, and that's like a really cool, quick way to just like kind of be attentive to the Advent season. So we kind of do that together as a ministry and through some of these things. Um, but one of the things that happens during the Advent season is, is it's the building of anticipation that happens through that. Um, Advent, it just like means arrival. If you've ever wondered, like, what does this actually mean? It's the arrival. The Advent of Jesus is the arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. So the season of Advent is all about waiting on the arrival. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing because, like, we're on this side of everything, right? Like, so, like, Jesus has already come in the flesh in that way and been born and came into the world and lived and died and rose again. And, um, but we still celebrate that partially as like a remembering of he said he's going to come again and there's going to be another advent there's going to be another arrival um but also looking back at like what what happened and like what it means for like god to enter the world in that way um you know when we pop open our little window on the advent calendar or we read another day in the devotional it moves things forward but it's not like a resolution to anything it's not the, the end. It's not like, okay, I did that, and now, now like I'm done thinking about this. The activities my family does together may be fun in themselves, but they aren't like the climax of the thing. Um, so over the next two weeks, what we're doing on Sundays here is we're, we're kind of zoning into ad, uh, to Advent, to this idea of, of the arrival and what Jesus, what it meant for him to come in that way. Um, Ben's next week going to talk about like Jesus as... Uh, the illuminator, like the one who brings illumination through Advent. And today, though, we're going to talk briefly, there's like books and books and books written on this, but we're going to talk briefly about what it means for Jesus to, like, for the incarnation, for him to come in the flesh. Um, so that's what we're going to look at. So let's pray together, and, and we'll dig into that a little bit. Um, uh, Jesus, we love you. Um, even these, these, like, songs we sing... Uh, today of whether it's <clears throat> these more Christmas-related ones of thinking about like you coming and like the, the singing of the angels and us joining alongside singing glory to God in the highest um, or singing about like your kingship in our lives or the salvation that you bring, um, the hope that you give us. Uh, Lord, we, we praise you um, today, and um, God, thank you for this plan, um, like your plan to bring humanity back to you through Jesus coming in the flesh, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and we, we just praise you, and, and I do ask, God, that you would, you would do something in our hearts and minds like even in the midst of trying to wrap up a semester and all the stuff that comes with that, um, that there would be something going on where, where you're working in us, your spirit would be moving in us, helping us to just like incline our attention to you and to remember and to celebrate and to dwell on the beauty of what you did and what you're doing 
Um, so help us, God, to do that um, through this time to remember you, Jesus, and to, to give, I guess, thanks and praise like daily for that um, as we consider the arrival. So um, just speak now to, Lord, please speak to us. Um, help us to listen. Um, use your word. Meet us where we are, Jesus, please. And um, I just pray that you would draw us nearer to you. Amen. So what we call the incarnation, incarnation is the culmination of, of this like great anticipation that, that was had through like human history and through specifically like what God was speaking to um, Israel, this great anticipation. Like over and over and over through scripture, God's pointing to this great rescuer that's to come. Um, and we can see that just over and over and over through these stories of like how God is engaging with humanity and engaging with his people. Um, we hear about the Messiah or like the offspring or the redeemer that's to come in the biblical text. Um, the, the incarnation of Jesus coming into the world is, is the fulfillment of those prophes- promises. So like even things like Genesis 3 in the middle of like this kind of curse that happens because of sin, God is even in that moment like there's going to be an offspring that's going to come and crush Satan's head. Like even at that moment, we're seeing that. To Abraham later in Genesis, there's this promise that like all the nations are going to be blessed through his offspring. Um, we see David speaking to this anticipation and, and many of the prophets talking into the coming of Christ in these sometimes vague, sometimes more, more intentional and detailed ways. Um, Wednesday at Christmas communion, we're going to hear a lot of those things that are pointing to the coming of Jesus in the world. Um, but a fact is that the way it happened was unexpected. Even in the midst of all that stuff, there was an unexpected nature of what God did. Um, I, uh, we, we've talked about this a lot, but there's all these different ideas about like how God was going to bring about like the restoration of Israel. And, and sometimes that's like, oh, he's going to come in and like wipe out all our enemies, or uh, he's going to come in and just show up and, and restore things. And Instead, we see this like unexpected thing of God coming into the world in flesh. Um, it's one of the reasons that only shepherds were told by angels, and some these wise men who were foreigners from far off are the only ones that come and know like what is actually happening in the biblical story. Um, it was unexpected that God would become man in order to bring us back to him, but that, that's what the incarnation is. Incarnation is this idea of, of God becoming man. John put it this way in his gospel. Um, John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is referencing Jesus as the Word. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And jumping down to verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of natural descent, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, whom from the father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we have received grace. We've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and peace, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This is kind of John's Christmas story. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Um, Jesus is this God with us, the Emmanuel. Uh, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that's spoken of in that, and this comes up a lot around Christmas, but the Isaiah 7, 14 passage that we look at a lot. It's where we get the, the, the name Emmanuel. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us is what that means. God is not far off is what this means. He's one who desires to be with us, and we see that in the incarnation. Um, so there, there's a few things that like struck me as I kind of worked through that over the last few weeks. And the first one is that we see that the incarnation makes God more fully known. Um, like Israel has known of God and has known God. And there have been, in, there has been like individual people who have known like f- as face to face as you can get, they've known God pretty well through time. But like across the board, generally speaking, and like outside of the people of Israel, that has not been the case. God has not been like known, like people can, like we can know each other. He has not been known in that way. And the incarnation, our incarnation makes God more fully known. Um, throughout the scriptures, we see God interact with people personally, but that's more the exception than the rule of the biblical story. But God is a relational God and is always working to bring his people back to him and always is working to like for us to know him more. Um, when Jesus comes back into the world, comes into the world as God in the flesh, dwelling among us, we begin to hearken back to what we see even in the very beginning. If we're going to like look at like this, the story of like with Adam and Eve in the garden and how they interacted with God, a relational God we see a relational God who desires to know and be known walking with humanity like in the garden. Like this was, this was like fact. This is what they were doing. Adam and Eve got to like be with God and just like spend time with him. And we see this hearkening back as Jesus comes into that. Um, for Adam and Eve, it was walking with God in the cool of the day in Eden. For, for Jesus, it's living among the people, walking teaching and bringing his kingdom near in a very tangible way. So between those two things, God's heart never changed, but the barrier of sin had forced a separation. When God meets Israel at like Mount Sinai in Exodus, the people are not even allowed to like come near the mountain. God is meeting Moses and Moses has kind of been like purified to be able to come speak to God, but there he's like don't even let the people touch the mountain or they're going to die because of the holiness of God and because of the sinfulness of man. Um, when the tabernacle later and then the temple's made, there's a curtain that goes into the most holy place. And 
only this one priest, the high priest, who has been extremely purified and like all these sacrifices have been made to like make sure this person is ready to walk into this room. That's the only person who can go behind the veil to meet God um, in that moment and make the sacrifice for the people. There's these separations that are happening. And in both these cases, again, that, that person was only allowed to meet God in that way because of the purity of these sacrifices and these things. There was a reverent fear even accompanying that in the moment. But in Jesus, God comes in the flesh, and he makes his home among the people. He, he, he walks in the dust through these towns, and people are like pressing and touching and speaking and eating with him and all of these things. Like He makes God known on another level. Um, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 uh, says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. The Son makes the Father known, and it shows that he desires that relationship with us. God is not a distant God. He wants us near him. And the incarnation shows that. Uh, John had said in verse eight, 1 verse 18, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. It makes him known. And this knowing is not just the understanding of God, but its intimate relationship with him through Jesus. Uh, because Jesus is the Word became flesh, he not only showed us what the Father is like by his life, but he paved the way for us to also be called children of God by his death and through his resurrection. He makes him known. The other thing is that the incarnation shows a life of God, life in God fully. Like what Jesus does as the word become flesh, as God become man, shows a life in God more fully. So going back to John, you know, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus shows us what a life lived fully in God is like. Um, in Matthew 5.17, there's this point where Jesus is like, um, just clarifying, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus shows like what it looks like to live out Torah and the prophets fully, perfectly. He shows like what, what we have been called to and we fail at because of our sinful nature, because of our, our, our broken humanity. Jesus comes in the flesh and shows like this is what it looks like to live out the ways of God in these ways and to fulfill that. It's not, just, it's not just about fulfilling prophecies about himself, but actually showing what life lived perfectly in God looks like. And he plows the road for us in that. Because of the incarnation, we can also have confidence before God the Father. Um, Hebrews 4.15, this is like a life verse for me. Uh, Hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses. He's not unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses. What that means is if we have a weakness, 
we have a temptation, we have brokenness, we have trauma, any of those things in our lives, Jesus can empathize with us and does empathize with us. The hurts, the frustrations, the sadness, the disappointments, Jesus empathizes with us in those things. And he is our high priest. He's not this aloof person. We do not have an aloof God. We have one that can empathize with all of those things. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He fulfills the law and the prophets. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The author here is reminding us that Jesus has lived a life just like ours, had struggles and temptations and frustrations just like us, did not sin, but held firmly to God the Father. Um, But the author is also showing us here that Jesus functions as our high priest. This is the one that would go behind that veil, right? Like the one that would go behind the veil and make atonement for the people. Jesus is functioning as that on a cosmic level. He stands as mediator between a holy God and sinful humanity. Jesus isn't a cold and distant mediator, though, who can't understand. The incarnation put God in the flesh, and that means that we have a God who understands us completely. Jesus is able to empathize with us in our weaknesses. And because of that empathy and because he stands as like an empathic mediator, we can have confidence before God. That like the, these call to like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Like all, all of these things come to me and I will, I will forgive sins, that, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. All of these things we can have confidence before and like approach God. God is not unapproachable because of what Jesus did, because of his coming in the flesh, living, dying, rising again. He brings us into the family. John says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So as we move like closer to Christmas, I know there's a lot between that now and then, but as we move there, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus and like the coming of him into the world, the word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us, my, my prayer is that it would take on an added weight um, as we think about the depth of what it means that Jesus would come in the flesh. Like what, as we think about like the meaning of like the incarnation and all of these things, that it would take on an added depth and weight for us. My hope is that we would capitalize on the fact that God is a God that wants to be known. We'd be in like encouraged by that and be like, God wants to be known. Why don't I get to know him more? <laughs> you know, like, like there, there, that is a, that's a kind of a mind blowing thing. If we start thinking about that, the God of the universe wants to be known by us. My hope is that we would be encouraged by the life of Jesus that he lived as he walked the earth in flesh, and that would drive us into a deeper love and obedience in our faith. Like Jesus is our example 
He, he's, he's our high priest that, that can empathize with us because he dealt with all this stuff, but he's also our example of like, he led the way and paved the way. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Those kind of things. Encouraged by the life of Jesus. And the third is that my hope is that we would be confident to come to God when we're in need. That we wouldn't hold back. It's like fearful or um, shamed or any of those things, but that we would be confident to come to Christ, come to God because of what Jesus has done. This, this plan that was made, because of that, we're able to come confidently before the throne and receive grace and mercy in our time of need so that we would do that because in Christ, we have become made children of God and we receive mercy and grace freely. Um, so that's my prayer for us as we go into this time of Advent. Um, let's pray together. Lord, it's, it's, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, all of this still tends to be a mystery. Um, the plans you made and we, we can, we can see the benefits and we can, um, think through like all the, the ways that you, you paved the way and showed what was going to happen and what you, you wanted and, but it's still it's still unexpected and still a mystery to think about uh, the way that Lord you humbled yourself. As Paul tells the Philippians, like you you took on the nature of man, humbling yourself, putting on flesh. Um, the kenosis that that happens there of of that laying, laying the divinity down and becoming man, becoming fully God and fully man. And the mystery that is there, but we, I just give you praise today for the beauty of that. Thank you that you loved us, Lord, and that you did that. Um, and we get to be on this side of things, like able to put our faith in you. Um, able to have confidence before God the Father, able to be encouraged in our, our, our faith and our walk and the hope that we have in you. Um, so help us. Um, help us in that. And I, I just pray, God, over these students in these next two weeks, um, the fact that a lot of it can be really tough, um, let alone just normal life stresses and normal life hurts and dreams and hopes and all the things that are kind of swirling, but then the work and the, all these things that have to go on to make this semester come to a close. Um, I pray, God, that you just, they would know your closeness, that they would know the reality of your empathy um, Lord, that they they would feel your presence over the course of these next two weeks, God. Um, and help us all to draw near to you and to have an anticipation of, even though we're celebrating something that's already happened, Lord, that there would be even more anticipation of like, 
looking forward to that celebration, looking forward to later your, your coming again and your renewal of all things. So God, help us to do that. Help us to draw near to you. Help us uh, to, to live in gratitude. And uh, we just give you praise, Jesus. And we thank you. Amen.